and Radio. So we've come here today to dramatize the shameful condition. In a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient for Some um, Earl's Grey with bergamot and um, 
little milk and sugar. So it's delish. My honey made it, so it's always good, whatever he makes. So good afternoon, good good afternoon, good morning, uh, West Coast, uh, good afternoon, East Coast and South. How are you doing? I hope all is well with you. All is great with me. Today, again, we're going to be talking about Dr. King's legacy as we just listened to the uh, maybe about three minutes of um, Dr. King's uh, amazing speech. I have a dream that he did uh, so many years ago, and um, before I was even born, actually, and um, and it rocked and changed the world in a, in a good way. Uh, my mom and them said that they went. Um, they was able to go, and so that was cool. I thought that was cool. I wish they was. My mom was still around. I would ask her exactly what that was about. But um, but I can only imagine how that time was—the civil rights movement and being in that era and being in that uh, time to uh, make change. It had to be exciting as well as scary. And uh, I commend everyone from Dr. King to Coretta, to Rosa, for sitting down. She was just tired. I know how that is. I get tired all the time. So I can only imagine how she just was like, whatever. <laughs> and um, and all the unheard names and people and faces that um, black and white and Jews and whomever from wherever that helped push this movement forward. Now we're in a new movement. We're in the new millennium. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be talking more about that, uh, the new civil rights movements that's taking place all over the world, actually. And um, then I also want to, again, touch on the movie Selma. And, you know, everyone's talking about the Oscar snubs and stuff, so I'll talk more about that. And um, so, yeah, call in, tell me what you're eating. And um, so today we're not jamming. We were just jamming to my boy. Um, I'm going to close out with the last part of the I Have a Dream speech so you get to hear, you know, get excited because it just, it just does that for you. Um, when, you know, that last part, when you just start going in, you know, like a song, like a good song. <laughs> Dr. King was my childhood crush. I, I adored him. Um, him, he was one um, for just his, his uh, courage. The courage he had was amazing. And it was spiritual courage. It was courage that you only could get from spirits. It's similar to what Obama has, that, that spiritual courage, I call it. And uh, who else? Muhammad Ali, whose birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday. Shout out to Muhammad. I got a chance to see him at one of the, um, at Layla Ali's, uh, one of her, Fights uh, in in D.C. many years ago. I, it was a Tyson uh, fight, his last actual last fight ever. I, I got to see, finally got to see him fight, and um, and Layla was the header. She was the one who went before him, and her, she, when I say beat the out of that girl, I mean it was insane. But Doctor, um, sorry, not Doctor King, but um. Muhammad Ali was in the audience, honey, and it was beautiful to see him. And uh, and my other crush was Langston Hughes. So um, Langston, I mean, come on, I, it's nothing I need to tell you about that. 
But anyway, <clears throat> back to Dr. King's unfailing love. Okay, so I got a chance to talk to David Oluwowo. <laughs> I think I'm saying it right. Um, who played Dr. King in the movie Selma. And um, I'm also, again, going to drop some footage of him. But what he was basically saying, that we need to get back to love. That's the only thing that's going to cure the mess that we're in. And so, and it has to be some kind of, you know, spiritual type love. It's not basic love. It's not the surfacey stuff. It's something that has to go a little bit deeper, and we have to pull it up outside ourselves. I think as far as... um, Dr. King's vision and dream for our communities, um, not only our communities, but for the full spectrum of communities, including other communities. He, um, his vision probably went left um, within our communities because we did not create community. We didn't, we didn't create wealth. We didn't create power. We didn't create our own schools. We didn't create anything for ourselves. So um, that would have been more of what I would have liked to see us do as a people is to do similar to what the, I see the Koreans do. I live not too far from Koreatown here in L.A., and also I live I lived smack dead in Mexico. You might as well call it Mexico. I call it Mexico. The Mexican counseling is across the street from me. And the whole community um, is is predominantly Mexican, um, which is beautiful. Uh, the culture, the culture, the values, um, the family um, and community values are very evident. They're not um, so uh, focused on building wealth as much as they are focused on maintaining community and family, which I adore. Now, the Koreans, on the other hand, who is very quiet and very silent, and, you know, they just get up early. I see them at the park probably 5, 6 o'clock in the morning walking, especially the older ones. Um, well cared for, nice bodies, not out of shape, look like they eat very well. Um, it just seems as if they have it. They understand how to create community. And the the real thing is it starts with you. I think that's part of what the the, the Korean culture. Um, you go within first and you deal with your inner first and you manage that and you master that and then you go out and then you help your brother and then you help your sister, then you help your community, then you help your world. That's how it should be. But we don't do that. We don't love ourselves. Um, I was talking to my honey last night and we were discussing the fact that uh, black people don't want to be black. They want to be white. And then white people, what they do, they talk about or they, they ridicule certain black cultural things, and then they start doing it. It's just, you know, like we're in kindergarten or something, like in, you know. It's it's childish. It's like a childish backwards and forth thing where I feel black people, all we need to do is bring it back to our own space, our own culture, and just focus in on how we can build our own communities with our own schools, with our own uh, grocery stores, you know. It makes no sense that we have communities that we don't own anything. The Koreans here in Crenshaw, over on Crenshaw Boulevard, here in L.A., 
where, it, you know, well, Crenshaw, just me saying Crenshaw <laughs> is enough for you to know that that's possibly the hood, right? So, um, okay. The majority of Crenshaw is owned by Koreans. The majority of the hood, from inside the hood all the way to the outskirts around the hood, um, it's owned by Koreans. The housing uh, and also the um, the stores, um, the beauty supply stores, the grocery stores, and um, that's where our black money is going outside of our community to actually help build the Korean community. We have always been the people that help build, but we haven't been builders in America of our own. And so that's the key. I was thinking about, i just seen a, a post uh, about Detroit. Detroit talking about um, they give you houses, these beautiful, beautiful, oh, my goodness, uh, brownstone, old school, and uh, architecture and antiques just does it for me. And so the, all Victorians and colonial homes that they have, out in Detroit that are just dilapidated. And so they are paying people to actually take this off their hands. Okay, now that's fly, you know what I mean? I think that's really fly. Nobody really wants to do Detroit. I have a friend that actually is in real estate. He lives in Atlanta. But he's originally from Detroit. And I really, really want to talk to him about a movement me and my honey was talking about last night. And basically what I would like to see is why couldn't we as black people, just the a community of black people, go over there, pull our money together, and just create a brand new black town? Why? Why can't we do that? Why can't we build stores and daycares and schools within this one small community? I say, what, a, a few miles? Um of acreage, maybe, uh, let me see, let me, let me, let me throw out something out there. I say 500 acres, 500 acres. We need 500 acres with houses that need to be rehabilitated. If they're paying us to rebuild, we just reinvest that money, you know what I mean, and, and create community. We have to do that. That's the only thing that's going to help is we create community. We're living in a community that's not even ours. That makes to me no sense. We're going to school that doesn't even train us to be, to to honor our own culture, honor our own selves. So that's not that's not they bad. That's ours. You think Koreans going to send their children to the white schools to learn what they are trying to teach them? No, they have their own schools in place. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they teach their children what they want them culturally to understand, not just algebra. And not this arithmetic. They want their children to know about the spiritual life, the spiritual world. And you don't learn that in school. You know, we're barred from spirituality in the school system, which I think is outrageous because spirituality, that's like taking a part of yourself away. It's impossible. Spirituality, we are spiritual beings first. So how do you ignore that? And this is why we are in so much turmoil. Because spiritually, we are disconnected, extremely disconnected. Black women, 
don't like the black man, black man don't like the black woman. Black women don't even like black women. If you ha- your hair is nappy, the light, the lighter, long hair girl don't like you. And if your hair's long, or if you're wearing weaves or wigs, then the nappy girls don't like you. I mean, we just have, we just on a petty level fighting over pettiness and finding ways to break us up, to separate us, instead of creating community, creating community, finding things that we are liking, and, and moving forward. We don't trust each other. That's what one of the things my honey said, which is true. We have to work on that, but that's building any kind of relationship takes some time. It's going to take us at least five years just to get the emotional piece together. You understand? Now, what Dr. King was saying, they wrote us a bad check. I love that part of the speech. I love him. God bless him. God bless his soul. Hope his soul reincarnate soon. Because <laughs> he was really a champion, a true, true soldier, okay, of love. And that kind of love, like David O, o-, o- said at at the um, at the meeting I went to, um, the Ferguson uh, gathering, and um, you know it's going to have to be some crazy kind of love that's going to really change this into what it needs to be. Police brutality—that's a whole another gamut. How do you face and deal with that? How do you how do you approach that? To me, all the systems in America, they kind of marry each other. If you look at all the systems, look at, one, the jail system. Okay, number two, look at the projects. Um, I lived in the projects. I've I've actually been in jail, too, so I I know um, those two places firsthand. Um, Look at um, the school system. Look at the military system. And if you put them all, line them all up together, which I did. I've never been in the military. I was um, my, Sade's my, my oldest daughter's father. He was in the Navy for 20 years. I uh, was with him um, on his, when he first started and on his tour um, in South Carolina. And he, and he did everything. He'd been everywhere. He's been all over the world, of course. Um, but I've been on the ships. I understand the whole uh, organization of it, um, program of it. And so the program and the organization is the same as the school system. It's the same. And I've been in job, I've been in school, of course, <laughs> but also been in Job Corps, which is a federal-based program. It's based on the same principles and the same ethics and the same thought process. My thing is we as African, African descendants, we have to honor our Africanism. We are not people that are rigid. My my amazing mentor, Dr. Elma P. Martin, uh, Jr. at Morgan State University, who was also the Great Blacks and Wax Museum um, founder, him and his wife. I always talk about him. <laughs> I miss him. Uh, oh, I really do. Um, but Dr. Martin. He was something else. He was I used to call him the Amy Black Maccabee. <laughs> oh my God. He used to go in, he used to wear African he was six eight and he used to wear African garb to his class and we used to get into all kinds of debates and he was just my butt. And um his whole premise was we as educators, as scholars, as advanced 
knowledge people or advanced people, whether it's financially or whatever. We need not leave the community. We need to come back into the community and recreate the community. We have the information and the knowledge to do so. Instead, we choose to live on a golf course up on a hill next to, um, you know, the Joneses. Which, you know, that's the American dream, right? And that's the whole setup. That's the design. Everything was designed for a reason. And it, the reason was not to benefit or to support or push our culture. So we have to pull back, I feel, and not reach into someone else's culture so much, but reach into our own and really start tapping into that, what that's all about, the African-American culture. Well, what it's about? It's about music and rapping. and I mean, that's what we came over here on. The You know, they knew us for being very um, happy and always dancing and singing, and so they... They didn't understand it, so they always promoted it for us. So that being promoted because they wanted to see more of the, the – I'm not going to say what I was about to say, but they want to see more of – okay, I'm going to say it. Some more of the buffoonery in a sense because I don't really feel like all music and all dancing is buffoonery. Not at all. I think it's it's uh, it's necessary, you know, and it's needed and it's – and it's and and it's it's good for the culture. But what I'm also saying is that they, in turn, used that, promoted that in us. And 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 then when they found out that we had um, physical uh, abilities, sport abilities, then they they marketed that and championed and jumped on top of that. So what I'm feeling is that, and it's just simple. We need to own our own shit. We need to grow our own gardens. We need to have our own stores. We need to get out of this processed food. This is not who we are. I don't even think we need to be driving these nasty-ass cars because we have more respect for the the world. We have more respect for the earth. Um, we earthly people. Uh, you know, I did a, a, a large study uh, when I was leaving um, Morgan State University. Um, my exit exam for my um, bachelor's degree was uh, to write a 30-page paper. I would love to know where that paper is. I, I, I lost everything in uh, uh, my flood, so I don't know where the paper is at. But the paper was called The Miseducation of the Black American Boy um, and the Reform of the Educational System. And so I broke it all completely, broke, broke, broke it down. <laughs> and... Um, Basically, I put together a whole school system, whereas you have a round school. Instead of a school where everybody is just sitting forward, you know, it should be circular. I don't think you should read on the inside. I don't really think it should be so much of a time thing. I think we should learn how to trust our own inner time clock, our own instincts. Um I think this whole issue of time, the way in which it's broken up in America is wrong. I think the American English, the American language, the way in which we word things, the way in which we place things out there um, with our words is wrong. I had a conversation with one of my dear friends. He's a, um, he's one of my white friends who uh, who's just brilliant. He was He's gay and also a pastor. Um, and, uh, again, brilliant, brilliant soul. And... Um, he basically said that that's what's happening. The way in which we speak and talk and the words we use is is promoting a lot of negativity. So 
my suggestion and my feeling is this. What we need to do as a people, first and foremost, is go inside. Because the instructions is all in there of what we need to do for our own race to push and, and to make it better for us. Not to not to be Afrocentric where we are not dealing or connecting with other uh, races or cultures, that that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying more so of pulling that in to who we are, first finding love and respect for ourselves, and then pulling our self-esteem up a little bit and thinking a little bit bigger, you know, opening up ourselves to something greater. There's something greater for us, and it has nothing to do with the American dream. We're not even a part of this dream, to tell you the truth, that it wasn't for us to be uh to have what they have. I don't want I don't want to be integrated. I really don't. That's the only issue I had with the Dr. King movement was because integration. Really to me, it made us feel as if we didn't want to be around niggas. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> no, I'm just saying honestly the black folks, you know Chris uh Rock always, my homeboy from Brooklyn, always talk about about that, that, um, you know, I like black people, but I don't like niggas. See, so there's a difference. So if there is no difference. We need to reconnect with these so-called niggas, and we need to create some form of community. It has to happen. There's nowhere else for us to go. We, we, we already tried the white route. It doesn't work. It's cool, but I don't really feel like it's really working. To, to really tap into the problems. All this money black America has, we could do better. I know we can. I know we can. Support black films, support black businesses. Do all you can to support one another. Love each other. Love yourself. Stop shooting and killing each other. Stop tearing the black men down with your words, black women. Black women, stop hating on your sisters. Stop being jealous. Connect with your sisters. Build something. Build schools for the children build community programs so other women won't have to have problems and issues like we had when we was growing up so they could see a better life, so we could offer them something different. We have to go back into the communities, and we have to take our communities over. That's the only thing that's going to work. I don't know what else to tell you. Go see the movie Selma. Go see my babe, David O. Go invest in Ava DuVernay. They have free movies for children in middle school, I think elementary and middle school tomorrow. Find out how you can get a free ticket to see someone and bring a whole classroom of children. It's such a beautiful, beautiful movie. She's a beautiful director. I mean, inside and out, I adore Ava, adore her. She's one of my favorite people today. Um, and David is a sweet spirit, of course, and he did that. He did that. Okay, he did Martin, and um, he's cool. He's a cool cat. He really is, and I'm very proud of what we have accomplished thus far. I, I, I'm not hard on us. I just think that we're at a point now where we can make a difference. We could change the systems, reform it, whereas we create our own. We have to create and have and build our own. We have to teach our own children. We have to build our own gardens. We have to feed and clothe and all of those things. We have everything we need. We have all the talent, all the money. It's just a matter of organization now. 
and I pray for God that we could get it done. I'm a community organizer uh, by trade, so I'm down. So if you got any ideas and you want to go, let's hit up Detroit. I know I've seen a whole movement. Everybody's going to Mars. <laughs> I could get to Detroit. <laughs> so, again, I'm going to call my friend um, from Atlanta. He's a good friend of mine, uh, and he's brilliant. He's a bright guy. And so he's from Detroit, like I said, and he's in real estate. I'm getting ready to start my real estate license. So hit me up, www.kimafrica.com, www.clubbefree.com, Kim Africa on Facebook, Instagram. I'm everywhere. I'm all over the net. Just Kim Africa me, Google me, and you'll find me and hit me up. And my number is everywhere, so you can hit me, call me directly, actually, to my office. So, um, and you might not get me, you might get my assistant, Dylan, but that's fine. Or you might get my partner, um, Martini, my darling. So, love to everybody. Love to my children. Love to you. Let Dr. King inspire you to do best, do your best work. Yes. Okay, this is the year to be free. So, let's be free, okay? All right, I love you guys. And I hope that everything is really working out for you in this new year. I'm trying to get to Dr. King before we go. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Freedom Ring.